Joining us to discuss the headlines, I'd like to welcome Alex Wong, the director of Alex KY Wong Asset Management. And now Alex is in another Christmas sweater. How many do you own, Alex? Oh, I feel. Yeah. Okay. This is a new one. Could you just stand up and give me a twirl so yeah. I can describe? Oh, it's a big Rudolph with a huge red-nosed reindeer. And is that a Christmassy hoodie I can see you wearing? Oh, this is not a hoodie. Ah, oh, this is a, the blue one, you mean? The yeah, blue one the blue is one. A, is a, it's not a Christmas this is oh. just a normal, normal shirt. Okay. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, we need to be warm in the temperatures at the moment. Uh, and a big hello to Kerry Cray, Global Market Strategist at JP Morgan Asset Management. Good morning, Kerry. Good morning. And can I ask if you're wearing anything Christmassy today? No, no, it's a, it's a bit warm in Australia for, for Christmas jumpers. But uh, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I need the cold weather to be able to be more festive. Well, I hope you got some Christmas T-shirts stashed away somewhere instead. Anyway, moving on to the risk of recession. Do you, what do you currently see in the US economy? High risk of recession, low risk of recession? Kerry? I mean, the recession risks have been fading uh, quite dramatically, as we've seen the, the slowing in the economy and uh, the inflation numbers falling, allowing for the Federal Reserve to now think about cutting policy rates. So no, officially our forecasts are for no recession across the US uh, in 2024, but a relatively moderate growth of around about 2%, and also inflation coming back to that 2% target from the Federal Reserve. So it does sound a little bit soft landing as, as the way we're heading, and that is very much consensus. But uh, again, it's a case of thinking about that weakness in growth and with that coming the weakness in inflation. Uh, and if anything, we still have a little bit of a bias towards uh, some of the risks to growth that could actually see uh, a mild recession start to form as we think about 2025. So, Kerry, what do you see as the key driver for that low economic growth? Well, certainly low compared to this year. Um, I think you mentioned 2% growth for 2024. That's right. And 2% is, is pretty weak in the, in the context of where the US economy has been more recently. Um, and one of the strengths of what we've seen in the last few quarters has really been that consumption and the fact that you've had but the U.S. consumer, which, you know, household consumption is around about two thirds of uh, GDP in the U.S. continued to spend, even as those consumer confidence numbers have been very weak. And it's the continued runoff in those excess balances which have helped that uh, and that move towards using credit rather than um, actual income to spend. We do see the consumer being somewhat resilient. We think about that weakness in inflation and those wage numbers that are above 4%, meaning real wages move back towards positive territory. But there are cracks appearing in terms of the, the lowest socioeconomic households, um, some of their spending habits. So in aggregate, spending is going to slow. It's going to slow more painfully in some parts of, of the economy than others, and that'll come down. And as that demand weakens, we'll also expect to see uh, business investment start to slow from where it has been. Think about all the investment we've seen in AI, for example, over the course of this year. Uh, and that'll be the biggest drivers of thinking about why growth will be a weaker in, in next year than it has been uh, in the last couple of quarters. Just one follow-up question for you, Kerry, before I move on to Alex. Um, how do you see that low GDP potentially impacting the election? Well, I think the outcome of the US elections really is a consequence of thinking about how policy would evolve in the coming years, not really uh, in terms of 2024. I think that the biggest thing we think about is the prospect for it to create more volatility around markets as we get closer to the election uh, and the markets try and sort of predict uh, who the winner of the election may be, whether that's across the, the presidential seat, uh, the House or broader Congress. 
Um, but I think by and large, if we think about more broadly what really matters for, for the outlook for markets, it's not the leadership in the White House. Um, it doesn't have a big impact in the long run. It's really about whereabouts we are in the business cycle that will be the bigger determinant for thinking about the performance of assets. Okay, let's move on to Alex. How much would you rate the risk of recession in the US, Alex? I think uh, I concur that uh, the current risk probability actually is not too high. The US market actually is uh, much more resilient than we thought. Uh, the job market remains very strong and probably may we see some slowdown uh, as rates stay high for so long. So companies probably may invest less and and so um, that may cause something. And also um, the um, higher price level actually may also cause a lower appetite for spending. So I think uh, we may see some kind of slowdown, but uh, it's a fear recession. I think it's out of, uh, out of the book right now. Right, let's move on to... Uh, the Bank of Japan, which will announce today any changes to its interest rates or policy. Now, no changes are expected today, but when would you expect to see those changes and what could delay or even derail the changes, Alex? I think uh, what would derail the changes would be a uh, substantial uh, appreciation of the yen. I think uh, right now the market probably... Uh, is discounting nothing uh, to be changed today, but I think uh, they, uh, they they would expect uh, a eventual rise uh, is uh, uh, unavoidable. So I think uh, people expect uh, you, the, the BOJ to tighten next year. And inflation actually is stay high in Japan and, and especially on the wage side. So uh, people probably would expect that. So um, if they are further unwinding in the dollar yen, then probably um, we may see uh, some um, derailing of the expected rate change because I think uh, a higher yen actually would uh, contain uh, certain parts of inflation in Japan. Now, Alex, January seems to be the month I hear from most experts and apparently what the prices the current data has baked in what do you think january um i think january probably is a bit too soon i think they probably would try to uh delay uh, as long as possible i think uh, japan actually has been in uh, has has lost several decades already so i think a boj probably would treasure the current uh uh, circumstances so because uh, uh, foreign capital sector are inflowing into Japan and there are more appetite for Japanese uh, companies so I think uh, they will treasure this and so try to uh, accommodate the market appetite so I think uh, they probably will try to delay the uh, the unaffordable way hike. Kerry are you aligned with that and anything to add? Yeah, I think the um, the thing that the Bank of Japan is waiting for is the spring wage negotiations to come through. Um, they're really looking for confirmation that the inflation outlook is is much more sustainable, uh, that it isn't being driven by these uh, sort of shorter term determined factors. And you really would have to ask yourself the question: if if not now, when? You have some of the best growth outlooks being priced in for for Japan. You have some of the best views on inflation being structurally higher and actually moving away from these lost decades and I mean, if they if they don't move away from like uh, negative interest rates and that ballooning balance sheet, uh, you know, they really might miss the boat on an opportunity to do so in the future. So we do think it will happen next year. Uh, again, I agree with Alex; it probably won't happen in, in January, but definitely we should see them move away from uh, zero interest rates and and think about how they're going to deal with um, that that very large ownership they have of the JGB market as well, because obviously 
lifting rates uh, into positive territory will have an implication for, for how, they, how much that actually costs um, them in terms of ownership for those bonds. Well, watch this space and see if Carrie and Alex are more right than some other experts, but I have every confidence in you two. Which Asian markets are you most bullish about for 2024? Kerry? Well, sticking with Japan, it's actually one of our preferred uh, markets around the world uh, and within Asia. Uh, again, that higher nominal growth rate coming through, uh, a valuation story that has seen some re-rating across 2023. We expect to continue into 2024. Um, you are going to see uh, better growth come through. We are looking for that change in that structural demand in the economy to really support that. So we do expect Japan will do quite well uh, across the course of next year. And then more broadly, if we do avoid that recession in the US, we see some improvement in the inventory cycle, a bit more demand come through. That should bode quite well for the, for the supply chains across Asia. And again, we're thinking about North Asian economies there that benefit from that pickup in trade around the world. So you could point towards Korea, Taiwan. And we've seen the early indications of that with some of the, the semiconductor cycle already. And your thoughts for China in particular? China, we, we see better at least uh, a growth that's, that's bottoming out and a, a policy response that's now more commensurate to the risk that is there in the economy, but really not overshooting in terms of that 5% growth target. Uh, these incremental policy changes will eventually have traction in the economy, um, and we really want to see uh, more stabilisation in the property market, uh, particularly around the consumer and spending habits adjusting there to really think about um, the market's starting to turn as well. Certainly the valuations aren't challenging when it comes to the Chinese market, and there's some strong investment themes around EVs, greener technologies, or, or technology substitution that can all be played through. Uh, we just need to have a little more clarity around uh, the economic outlook, uh, really having turning in the right direction. But I think it's one we're watching very closely given the attractive valuations. Alex, what are your thoughts on the Asian markets for 2024, um, and then specifically China? I think uh, for Asia, uh, apart from Japan, I think uh, India probably would be the most popular place right now. Uh, it is pricey, but I think uh, people like it, uh, like the demographic structure of India and also the growth prospect. And they probably will uh, India as uh, another China in the in the in the in the future. So I think uh, that I think uh, would still be uh, remain strong despite the high valuation. And Japan, I think, uh, is um, is okay because I've, as I've mentioned also several times that the Japan actually is strong on uh, high end manufacturing and also the anime. Uh, is uh, is uh, conquering uh, food Netflix, so I think uh, the uh, influence of Japanese culture actually is increasing in the world. Uh, for China, I think it is still difficult because the uh, housing market actually is uh, very difficult to rebound, and I think uh, this is uh, affecting consumption as well. And so uh, manufacturing actually is picking up, so um, it's not too bad, but I think uh, uh, the room for rebound in China actually is not too much. Well, Alex Wong, Director of Alex KY Wong Asset Management, and Kerry Craig, Global Market Strategist at JP Morgan Asset Management, thank you very much for talking to us about the headlines this morning.